Hello and welcome to Reality Check, the podcast that gives you the truth about the state of marketing. On Reality Check, we interview people who are at the top of their game and the highest levels of the marketing industry. No theory here, just reality. This is the podcast for agency owners. We only talk to the most senior of marketing directors or those at the top of the agency game. Our aim is to bring you heaps of value in just 30 minutes. I'm Oliver Duffy Lee, and I'll be your host. Enjoy. Welcome to one of our bonus episodes of Series 1 of the Reality Check podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Emily Hare. Emily is the Global Content Strategy Director at Publicis Group and has some incredible experience in the world of content and marketing. In the show, we discuss Emily's agency career, as well as the role of content in the modern world. One of the key things that struck me about Emily is her fantastic understanding of content and the wide variation of forms that it can take. I hope you enjoy this little bonus episode as much as I did. Emily, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining. As a way of getting started, can you please just introduce yourself? Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me, Ollie. Good to be here virtually today. Um, <laughs> I'm Emily. I'm a global content strategy director at Publicis, which I know is one of those job titles that you tell your mum and they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but so that I'm based in the global content team, which is a small team out of London, but we work with Publicis and kind of beyond that, so media agencies, creative agencies, content teams all around the world. So like it's dreamy really. So I get to chat to people in Singapore, the States, like India. Mm. Like a real privilege because people who are like absolutely at the top of their game doing brilliant content work across yeah. partnerships, influencer, a whole whole range of stuff. So our role in the global content team is to devise products, come up with solutions that makes life easier for our people in the content team and use the kind of scale of Publishers Group, which is obviously one of the huge holding companies. Mm-hmm. to an advantage and so that all those people you know working out of Singapore can benefit from some knowledge in the States or a product that's been developed after the UK things like that so part of my role is looking after Fluency which is our influencer marketing platform within the group so I work with MSL it's one of the PR agencies on that and that involves getting lots of feedback from our users about how they're using it what kind of developments they want to see and, and working with the design, designers developers to bring those in yeah, and then other kind of pieces of thought leadership, general kind of, I suppose, presentations, webinars, yeah. seminars, yeah. that sort of thing. Kind of sharing best practice across the group around the kind of different pieces of content work that we're doing. So everyone has a good idea about like, what best practice looks like, what we can do across the group if we're working together, we can draw in different people, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's fun. I'm enjoying and, it. Um, and so tell me, so most of your role, is it, is it involving, so your sort of customers, are they internal customers for your publicist agencies or are you doing client work as well? So no client work, which is something I missed actually from my previous role. But yeah, this is purely internal. So we do get involved in some like pitch requests, requests for yeah. information, because we have that kind of global oversight of how everyone's working together. So definitely contribute to those. But yeah, and occasionally we're kind of speaking to clients, explaining different capabilities, but it's not yeah. direct work. Cool. And how did you get into that position? Is that your first position in publicist? Yeah, yeah, it is. So I joined in March. I was wow. in the office for two weeks. And then, <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> yeah, then uh, I'm here in my mom's house. Yeah, on a lot of Zoom calls and stuff like that. But, so uh, where, were you, where were you before then? 
Yeah, so before that, I was at Honey, part of the, it's Make Honey, the UK agency, part of the Honey Partnership, which is a super small group of independent agencies, so working in London, Amsterdam, China. And I was head of content there. Um, and mainly working with Alibaba, so they were close wow. part of mine, which is phenomenal because they're obviously a very smart, very progressive company involved in a few trips to China, which is really fun. When back in the days when airplanes weren't terrifying things, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so that was kind of like developing what the agency's content offering was. And in the UK, we were kind of particularly focused on content as one of the offerings. So it was okay. like a also involved kind of business development and like developing the agency, I suppose. Sure. But it's, it's like that was also a real privilege. So I was there about two years, and it was an independent agency set up by really progressive group of partners run as a partnership and say kind of operated in a in a really interesting way it gave people like as much responsibility as they wanted as quickly as possible wow, it's a, a really kind of yeah progressive company to work for i think i think as a leadership model that's uh, especially in agencies i think giving talented people freedom to grow make their own mistakes and and sort of giving them responsibilities a great great model Combine with some support. Of course, of course. I've, I'm always a fan of like drop people in the deep end, but don't walk away. Yeah, like yeah, it's all yeah. it's all good, but make sure you're there with the life jacket just in case. So you you are then someone that has spent a large part of their career, um, especially especially the recent part of your career, focused on content. And so tell me, first of all, I'm interested how in from when you started and first started working in content to now has has content as a concept kind of changed. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things that actually my background's an English degree before that. So it's all like <laughs> your your starting point is always defining the terms. But if you're speaking, I know, but I love that. I love that. Let's content, do that. Okay, like, it can be totally different to what another person's talking about, and it's interesting because that's like part of the challenge of the flux. Is it's fun. Yeah. So I think like the scale of what it can be is definitely broader than it you know has been in previous years. It's obviously like edging into things like Netflix partnerships and co-developing content right. on those kind of OTT platforms. To the very start of my career, I was working at Contagious, which is a magazine that reports on the industry and how it's changing. So that gave me a really good oversight of kind of, we were writing about things like branded content films and stuff like that years and years ago. So okay. like it's definitely changing, but it's an evolution of kind of things. And it's a way of responding to the possibilities of what exists, where your audience is spending time, and then yeah. kind of finding ways to tap into that. Okay. So, so, so what is what is your uh, English degree definition of content then nowadays? Well, I'd probably go as broad as possible. So it's mm-hmm. spanning things like, I suppose, any way that you can connect with an audience outside of yeah. traditional advertising channels. So rather than kind of list off everything that it could be, you just think of it as like, what can you kind of gather up and include? So it could be something like a written piece of editorial, it could be a piece of influencer content. It could be yeah. a show that you've created for Netflix. It could be an event. For me, the most interesting thing is when you've, you've got some kind of property and you can create lots of different pieces of it. So if you've got yeah. a really good idea, then you know what else could it be? How can you make the most of that really good idea and create content efficiently and you know different ways that you can connect with people? Yeah. So I, and I think I think yeah I think that's a great definition. Any anything uh, any way of engaging with an audience outside of paid advertising kind of works for me. I can, I can get on board with that. Um, and so the, the, <laughs> I'm sure that was really on, weighing on your mind. But the, the, the challenges I see with, on client side, from my experience in agency, two, 
clients have two challenges. One is what, you know, ideas for content and then, you know, the resources to create. But then once they get over that hurdle, it's how do we get our target audience to engage in that content? And how, like, what are, first of all, take the uh, resource side. I guess that's why agencies are so popular right now. Is that a problem that is over-service in the market now, do you think? Are there too many content agencies pushing too much content to clients? Or what do you think? Hopefully, that's kind of how economics and market regu- <laughs> like, would regulate itself to have the right amount of businesses True. for the, the right amount of demand. So, and like, I'm not saying I know all of the agencies by any stretch that create content. So I think there's like, that's interested in being kind of specialist for a certain type so if you've got a kind of like real social expertise or you know even like an expertise in tiktok or something like that that you can really dig into and understand the platform have a really good relationship with them and know how it's changing compared to like having lots of experts who understand lots of different board things and then can pull different like elements together to come up with you know something that's bigger and exciting i think that's that's definitely a, a theme that's come through this series of this podcast is people looking for agencies, especially smaller ones, to really leverage, almost leverage their size and becoming extremely good experts, especially in a very niche type of area, rather than trying to be everything to anyone, just trying to be niche and, and try and be a specialist and, be, and sort of be standing out that way, which is quite nice. So, and what about the engagement side? I mean, isn't that, this is the age old problem, right? We've got loads of content, loads flowing about, no one's engaging in it. This is what I see on LinkedIn anyway, these days. Yeah. I mean, that's it, like, if you're a brand, that's a, a challenge, like an exciting challenge, but definitely one, because you're not competing with like other people in your sector for, to stand out. You're competing with everything that people could be doing and spending their so time. So true. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot out there. That's, but then that's where it comes in. You've got to really understand your audience. You've got to know where they're spending their time, what's going to engage with them. What do you as a brand have almost like a right to speak about so what's going to be relevant to you and then how can you kind of connect those two things together so like say what you want to say and what's relevant to your brand but also what your audience is interested in so i think it's kind of bringing those two things together is where you start to find the relevance and the engagement so really having a deep understanding of of yeah that's that marrying of the audience what your audience want what they want to engage with but also making it relevant to your brand itself right and not just being inauthentic i guess yeah, that's the Venn diagram in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of had that as well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what do you think, what, what's working right now in terms of engagement? Obviously, TikTok blew up, struggling now politically. What, what should brands be doing now to get more engagement? So I think it, it's that, it's going back to their audience, mm-hmm. understanding what's interesting to them. What are they talking about? What are they spending their time doing? And then thinking about maybe what's, What's topical? What can your brand speak about with credibility? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then try and marry up the two. So one one example I love is the better hand wash challenge that was on TikTok, but is you know really incredible because people weren't at all connected. Like all over the world, they were locked down, so they couldn't see each other in real life, but they obviously wanted to be in contact. People were just starting in many places to use TikTok to adopt it, to get stuck into some dance challenges, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of pulled together, like everyone's really anxious about washing their hands and thinking about how to be clean and safe. Yeah, People yeah. are starting to use a new platform and we have a, as a brand have got a right to kind of educate people and like, and bring this out. And those, 
things all kind of married together and really like content that caught people's imagination, got them involved and came out really well. And obviously like the results were ridiculous. They had billions and billions of views, people taking part with it. And to to think a company like Detta would be getting some traction on a platform like TikTok, even a couple of years ago, that would have seemed a little bit, maybe not a couple of years ago, maybe three or four, would have seemed a bit out there, but clearly. Yeah, yeah, I think you can do it, but it's like, it's... It's the finding the moment and the kind of yeah. the adoption and stuff like that. It's very hard to bring all those things together in such a kind yeah. of ideal way. But yeah, when you oh, do it, it's, it's incredible. It's hard to even plan for that because you know part of being reactive, that's a whole like reactive and being relevant in a moment, which is you've got to act fast, come up with great ideas quickly and implement them. Yeah, but that's when you need a really strong kind of that fundamental understanding of your audience and then that content True. strategy that both allows for like regular content that you're doing and speaking about and kind of mm. buying the right to talk about other things and then the ability and flexibility to just go with things that are good yeah. and can be reactive. I think that's the like the strong relationship with your clients as well, that by doing things over time in a really good and like consistent way buys you the right to be like, hey, look, we understand you. We have seen this great opportunity. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. So um, one of the things that uh, I can see is a struggle with content is measuring ROI, right? So obviously, so I, I've been speaking to, on this series to marketing directors and they, they've been telling me a lot about the conversations they've had to have with their CFOs. And of course, when it comes to CFOs and measurement, it's going to be commercial, right? So when you're measuring the effectiveness of content, is it hard then to, to prove that ROI in terms of commercial terms or are there ways of doing it? There certainly are, yeah. I mean, it really depends what the KPIs are to start with. Because if it's building engagement or driving app sure. downloads or something, then it's very hard to translate that back to a sales goal. But if the goal yeah. is sales, then absolutely you can track it. Like yeah. influencer content and stuff like that. You can embed pixels, you can connect to Shopify, you can track things right through to kind of even like in-store and that sort of thing, as well as sentiment changing. But yeah, definitely that's, yeah, I guess in some ways a challenge for content that it needs to be seen as robust as other kind of media buys. But there are definitely ways of uh, of doing it that that depending on what the KPIs are that you start off with, you you can get to that point. And that seems to be the, the sort of the disconnect in some ways between CMOs and CFOs is that obviously the CMO knows at some level they're going to need to drive brand recognition. They're going to need to drive those what I would call soft KPIs or non-commercial KPIs because that after time is going to increase the effectiveness and the ROI on the, on the commercial side, right? Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's all of the Peter Field's research around, uh, yeah, like you say, long-term goals, short-term goals. Yeah. You need to have those kind of ongoing you know, brand recognition, that yeah. kind of thing. To, and then the ones, like pieces of marketing that will directly drive sales. Right. And that, that's, they've done loads of research into that and proven that the kind of two work best alongside each other. So, you know, more direct sales yeah. messages that will convert, but you need the brand awareness and that sort of thing to, to support yeah. that. So is it like, what, I guess what marketers would say is that you need more people with marketing backgrounds in chief exec roles rather than, people with CFA backgrounds. <laughs> that's, a, that's definitely a, a debate for another time. And not one that I even want to be involved in mediating, to be honest. It's a bloodbath, I imagine. Quick question. I, I, didn't, I didn't say that I would talk about this, but you, you, you mentioned influencer, uh, your influencer platform. Mm-hmm. 
what is the state of influencer marketing right now? Because obviously there's been... I'm a, I'm a big Steve Bartlett fan. I've been following him for a long time. And he was hot on influencer fraud in the last few years. So where, is, is influencer marketing still alive and kicking? Is it, has it had bad days? What's the state of it now? Yeah, God, I think so. Absolutely. I think one of the things we've been looking at is around the kind of coronavirus, all of the restrictions that were placed on larger scale productions, whereas actually influencers gave a really great opportunity then because they're very used to creating really high quality content by themselves, very you know quick Good turnaround, point. that sort yeah. of thing. So I think actually in that situation, lots of brands start to wake up to the possibility of it that they haven't thought about it before because they, yeah, they were low on options in terms of the quality content that they could they could produce and. Yeah. There were at that point lots of people actually wanted to hear from brands like what's your True. maybe not their point of view on the situation, but what can they educate them? How can you get hold of products that you want? How, like a kind of need to create content and share information with people. Yeah. So I think yeah, there are definitely opportunities there, and I think it's being used more and more in like part of broader campaigns. So we'd often have it as part of a mix say maybe like one major influencer and a lot of uh like less well-known people that would kind of build momentum have that really strong connection with their audience that okay. maybe more of a celeb influencer wouldn't do i think it's a really interesting space and like definite yeah potential and so and so the influencer fraud sort of episode is that is that more clamped down on now or is that is this still risk of that happening in some cases i think i mean all of the kind of platforms that we use are very like there's a lot of ways to check for bots to be really like analyze if people are legitimate so i think yeah really that kind of brand safety it should be a very high priority but it's something that yeah you if you're doing things properly you're really able to mitigate against of course no no of course and i think i think there's a there's at the moment especially it's not quite influenced but i think a lot of corporate businesses would do well to sort of leverage their C-suite people's brands, actually personal brands, over just chucking company branding, branding uh, consumers. Yeah, I do agree with that up to a point because I think the if you're going to try and do that, you need people to be enthusiastic about it. Yeah, because you mean the people it, themselves. It, yeah. yeah. So if you're if you're like trying to bully a chief exec into posting <laughs> on LinkedIn <laughs> and they yeah, don't yeah, really have anything interesting or a point of view. That's not something that is a kind of throwaway thing. If you're going to do it well and get the benefit from it, then you need to you. put time and effort into it. Yeah. So you can't be like, oh, look, will you just post every Thursday at three o'clock? It's got to be planned and it's got to be like almost treated like brand advertising in a way. Yeah, totally. And I think if you put the effort in, then you, you see the benefits for sure. It's a good point. There's a guy called Daniel Priestley who uh, speaks really interestingly on, oh, really? on that. And yeah, he's written books about it. But yeah, about just kind of... Or leveraging suppose, a personal brand. Yeah, building a brand around yourself and how, mm. how you can do that, what benefits you can get. It's, nice. I'll look yeah. So I'm interested. Um, tell me, so you, you talked about your time at Honey before. So what, what sort of roles did you have there? I know you mentioned it briefly before. You talked about business development roles at some point. Yeah, I mean, not directly, but that just kind of fell under my head of content role. So it's either kind of expanding 
things with existing clients or just joining okay. calls with people to explain like how we worked, what we were doing. Okay. So yeah, it wasn't like a major part of my role, but definitely it's like a reasonable amount of time doing it. How did Honey sort of onboard new clients and search for them? Was it just word of mouth referrals or the other things in place? Yeah, yeah, no, a whole range. We had like, I think it's Drift that was set up on the website so people could inquire, had quite a few inbound inquiries that way. Cool. We had, we worked, so it's a super small agency, we worked with telemarketing team who do outreach and then once we had like reasonable prospects, we'd speak to them ourselves and kind of hear about what their business challenges were think about how we could help them and if it would be a relevant kind of relationship. Sure. And, and so um, in your experience, then, what, what do you think smaller agencies should be doing now in terms of to get new business and to really get their brand out there? And, and because even to get into a position where they're getting inbound inquiries, because I, don't, I think that's the dream for a lot of small agencies. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. Really, doesn't often happen. Like one of the things you mentioned is around their kind of social presence. So like particularly if you're a small agency that's claiming to work in social, you need, yeah. I guess you need to kind of look at what you're doing and think, are we, if people come to our site, if people look at us on social media, are we like a living example of that? That's or, a great point. Why, why uh, are agencies so bad at that? Agencies are terrible at their own marketing, right? I mean, yeah, it just takes time. and There's a lot of, a lot of things to do, I think. So you're kind of mm. juggling with a range of stuff. But it also, like, if you've got someone who's good and enthusiastic and can yeah. have that responsibility, then... Like we were saying at the start, it's kind of good to let let them run with it and have the kind of opportunity to to build up. Yeah. And it's something that yeah start to make a difference if it's if it's done well. But we were thinking about things like search engine optimization with the content that we were publishing for the yeah. site. A whole like put on some events that were you know, generated at new client prospects and mm-hmm. were with speakers who were clients who were prospects okay, and who cool. were looking at talking about areas that we were experts in. Mm. So we could also be there and have a good point of view and just like be a bit relaxed and introduce ourselves to people and, you know, not such a kind of pitchy style, but just show what we could do and, yeah, get that, like, personality across. I think that's one of the main things. You're working with people. You want them to be enthusiastic about your business. You want to feel like... They're going to put effort and interest in. And so those are kind of, I guess, less obvious things. It's not like a strategy or something, but it's, it's important at the same time. I I think, um, I I know from my time at at agencies that generally agencies are pretty bad at promoting themselves. I'm not sure if it's because it's not, it's like seen as like non-paid work. There's, I was speaking to an experienced agency owner the other day and she said, you know, treat your agency like another client, treat it like another client platform. And, and, when you put it in that way, and it's probably the, the most beneficial client you could ever have because I know the agencies that I follow who are big on social media, Go Agency, for example, I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah, I know them. I mean, they're, they're stacked out. They can't take any more clients and, and they're smashing it on, on YouTube. They, they show new videos every day. So it feels like if you do put that time in, you do treat your agency like a client, it will reap rewards, right? Yeah, and actually, that's exactly what we did at Honey. That the chief exec was the like the marketing director equivalent, and we'd we'd have like uh, you know a client lead who was running it, and everyone really? would yeah would sit in and have different roles and responsibilities. Yeah, it's clever, nice. Well, this is great. So, I one last question, which um, I've asked pretty much everyone on the show, and it's kind of a broad question, quite a tough question. 
<laughs> but I'm going to ask anyway. So, what, so what, what are the big challenges you think we're facing in marketing-wise in, in the year 2020? And how can we go, go about solving them? So I guess probably the major thing is the shifting behaviours that coronavirus has caused. So I was talking about that kind of understanding your audience and the last few months have caused people to change their behaviors like whether that's watching way more netflix spending more time online going into e-commerce like never before and so i think that's it's one of those challenges that's a perennial challenge for any brand is kind of keeping pace with your audience but i think when your audience you know very broadly everyone's audience is changing their behaviors thinking Mm. about new decisions things like that it's even harder to keep up with them what like there are a few kind of interesting like inflection points in people's lives you know whether like have children or move move city or something like that where actually they're thinking about like choosing new brands that they've never bought before or by like changing their behaviors and i think this isn't one of the kind of life stages that you'd expect but it is a situation that's caused a lot of people to reappraise like things that they're buying things that they're spending time with and so that presents a huge opportunity but i think you've also got to be ready to capitalize on it love it i, I, I mean that's it's so true everyone is completely reevaluating how they live their life i mean the simplest in the simplest terms Businesses all over the world are deciding, do we keep our office or do we not, right? Yeah. And that's just one thing which will have massive ramifications to all of us across the world. Yeah, it's a really good point. I like that. Yeah. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have a kind of glib, easy answer for how to... Uh, how to... <laughs> yeah, how do we solve it? I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort, sort that out. No, but I think, I, think your answer, I think you sort of gave your answer. Just be really observant and, and understand your audience as much as possible, right? Yeah, I think just be close to them and then like maybe the products that you make aren't relevant and you need to shift them. But that mm. kind of, that's where you're going to find out they're the people who like, especially if they care about a brand, will actually be very open to giving feedback because they'll like appreciate the interest that people are showing to them and want to like give their opinion for brands that they care about. Yeah. And so, so when you talk about, and, and just finally, when you talk about being close to, getting close to your audience, like what, that, this may be a very broad question, but how do you go about doing something like that for a brand that's just thinking, actually, listening to this thinking, oh God, we don't even know where our audience are. What do, you, what do they have to do? In Publicis, the kind of neat, easy answer is that we have a really brilliant content consultancy team. Uh-huh. So they, they would look, at things like use things like social listening, Google search data, yeah. like a whole range of sources like that that they can dig in to understand kind of how people are spending their time. They'd look at all rivals and think about what are they publishing, what kind of content are they creating. Is there any white space that the audience is really interested in that no one's talking about, or is there an area where everyone's talking about and we either have to be saying something or we should just not bother with that because it's so oversaturated that there's no point in trying to okay. stand out in that, that kind of situation. So, yeah, it's a, it's a complex process. Like they would spend, you know, weeks, people, right. teams of people researching things like so that. Sort of like visualising that landscape, basically. Exactly, yeah. But then the outcome is a really clear roadmap of like where your brand should be publishing, how frequently, how what you should be talking about that you can use and refer back to and work with internally. So, like, mm. yeah, I'd say it's really worthwhile doing things like that, even though it's a kind of 
complicated and lengthy exercise. Well, and that, then all your content just falls off off that. You have a very strong understanding and insights into people. And, and yeah, and it, and it seems like it's one of those things that if you, you know, you pay now or you pay later, right? So you either, you do that upfront and you begin, you build a brand and some content which is actually relevant and actually seems relevant, or you go down the road of, of hurting your brand because you're putting out loads of content which just makes you seem completely out of touch and then you do it later, right? So, so yeah. important. Or it might even not be as kind of dramatic as hurting your brand, but it might just be content that falls to the bottom. So you're spending yeah. time and effort creating stuff that people just, you know, isn't getting any traction, people aren't seeing. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, you've got a limited amount of time and opportunity and a vast amount of things that you could be doing. So you need to prioritize the things that are going to have the most impact. Yeah, right, no, true. Oh, well, Emily, this is fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Any final thoughts on the on the world of content and where we're going in the rest of this year? Not massively. I think it's just going to carry on. Like that's, that's why it's interesting to me is like people are going to carry on changing. So it's interesting to understand them. And so like new technologies are going to come out, new platforms, and it's going to be interesting to see what those are. So yeah, yeah I think it's definitely a disruptive period for sure, but that makes it exciting at the same time. Emily, thank you so much. And um, hopefully hopefully when we've had like, you know, a few more series of uh, reality check, you can come on and update us on what's happening in the world of content. Yeah, we have to. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Bye. Thanks very much for listening to Reality Check. For more info on me, our show or our guests, or just to find out how you can come on the show, just drop me a DM on Instagram and I'll get back to you. In the meantime... Keep up the good work.